This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode. And today I'm really excited because this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I mean, really... (laughs) Let's be real. There's a lot of things that I love to talk about because I just really love to talk about fitness and wellness and health, especially for mountain bikers, because, you know, it's just a passion of mine. It's something that I enjoy doing. It's something that I love to do in my spare time, spend time on two wheels with friends in the dirt. And I hope that you do too. Even if you don't, you should be able to take away some information from this, just explaining on how important upper body strength is for mountain biking, as well as just life in general. So today we're talking about all of that goodness. And I will say the short answer is of course, yes, upper body strength is incredibly important for mountain biking. Now, of course, I'm biased as a strength and conditioning coach, but I am unbiased as a mountain biker because I know all too well (laughs) as a mountain biker myself, uh, you know, I've fallen my fair share of times. I've had a few crashes, but there was one particular crash a couple of years ago targeting my right shoulder in a race in Snowmass here in Colorado. And in that crash, I did tear my labrum as well as caused some shenanigans, for lack of a better way to put it, in my C5 and C6 in my neck upon impact. Now, this was actually a very basic crash. It it seemed fine, and it was kind of, honestly, it was a stupid reason why it happened. Um, I was on a brand new bike, and I had only had the bike for maybe one or two weeks before that race, so that was my fault. Um, but I also had a dropper post that didn't fit me because I'm insanely short. I'm only five foot two. So, uh, unfortunately the dropper post just didn't drop down as much as I needed to, to get it out of the way. So it was basically kind of going up my butt, um, as I was descending. Unfortunately, I just couldn't get the saddle out of the way between that and me having food poisoning the night before the race. I know kind of a bummer. I just didn't have the energy or the wherewithal, or honestly, like I just, I really had no comprehension of kind of what was going on because I was just hitting rock bottom. I was bonking left and right because I couldn't eat before a race. And um, if you know me, I eat a fair amount of food. So it was just kind of a really shitty way to start a race. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, for me, it did result in a crash and it was a weird crash. Landed basically Superman out onto my right shoulder. And fortunately, I am hypermobile. So my hypermobility in my shoulders as well as my history of playing tennis growing up, that did help me, uh, did help prevent me from basically dislocating my shoulder, which has happened. I'm sure you probably know someone that that has happened to while mountain biking. But that hypermobility combined with my overall strength training program and just my stability in my shoulders really helped prevent that injury from being worse than than what it could have been. Now, I know many other athletes who also have had a similar experience to mine, as well as way too many other athletes who are severely injured as a result of just not having the upper body strength to get out of and honestly recover from a bad situation on the bike, especially a jump that goes awry, or maybe you just, you know, completely miss your landing. Uh, I, gosh, anything, you know, just hitting uh, an expected or a surprising terrain change, 
or, you know, an undulation that you just weren't expecting. Anything and everything can go wrong or go right on the mountain bike. And to me, I feel like, and I'm a strong proponent for strength training to help get you a stable and strong AF for mountain biking because mountain biking is such a dynamic sport compared to other cycling forms such as road cycling and things like that. And that is not a knock on those sports by any means, because I also road cycle as well or road bike as well. Um, and I'm trying to get into gravel riding once gravel bikes become available in my size, but it's one of those situations where, you know, no matter what type of cycling discipline you're in, some sort of upper body strength is incredibly important, but for the sake of my audience and for me personally, I'll be, I'll be focusing more on mountain biking for this podcast episode. So let's talk about the main parts of the upper body that can impact the strength of your ride, or they can also be impacted by mountain biking through a crash or through any other type of avenue. First one, which I've already kind of talked about, are shoulders. And I want you to think of these as an extremely vulnerable joint, especially considering that usually when you crash, you do reach out with your arms just because that is a natural reaction, a natural response by humans, because you're trying innately to save your head which is of course, of course, what runs your entire body, your brain. So that's the most important part of your body. And it's just going to be a natural response to put your hands out, put your arm out. And that is why broken clavicles are the, probably the most common. I actually haven't actually, actually haven't checked statistics, but I would say broken clavicles and some sort of like TBI. So like traumatic, traumatic brain injury or something like that are probably the two more most common injuries when it comes to mountain biking. So that's usually how you do break your clavicle. In fact, right now I have a couple of friends who do have broken clavicles um, just from crashing at the bike park. Other things that you can also experience are, you know, just busting your AC joints, which are kind of these joints um, around your shoulder area, around your clavicle. And you can, you can kind of pop them a little bit. You can also hyperextend your shoulders, which I kind of talked about, or dislocate your shoulder. Uh, and, and all of that fun stuff that goes along with just the complexity of the shoulder joint, because it is a ball and socket joint. So your upper arm does go into this socket in your shoulder. So it's that's why you have that, that wide range of motion in the shoulder. Now, there is a group of muscles that does help to mainly stabilize the shoulder joint, and they're known as the rotate, rotary... God what is wrong with me? <laughs> Rotator cuff muscles. So there's a few muscles that do make up the rotator cuff area and, you know, supraspinatus, things like that. And those are probably more common to injure in shoulder injuries, uh, especially if you are also like a baseball pitcher or a tennis player or something like that. You might have a, an historical issue with, you know, your rotator cuff muscles. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that just show goes to show you why it's so important to really work those shoulder muscles and get them as stable as possible. Now, how you can do that are a variety of different, uh, you know, movements uh, just off the top of my head. You know, you can do face pulls, you can do uh, serratus movements, which honestly, the serratus is one of the most overlooked muscles. And that really helps to stabilize that shoulder um, but yeah, serratus pushes and presses and things like that. You can do overhead presses. You can do 
Arnold presses, especially if you do have clunky shoulders, I really love introducing uh, Arnold presses to folks who maybe have a history of shoulder issues. I think that they're fantastic, uh, but you can do, you know, face pulls, pull aparts, bandit pull aparts. So you can do, and then when you involve a cable machine, you can do tons of movements with that shoulder, whether it's an internal or external rotation type of movement. You know, it's kind of hard to explain these, but I'm just going through a list just in case you have ever done these movements and you're like, oh man, it has been a while since I've done these types of movements. Let me go ahead and incorporate them into my workout. Now, right now, I'm going to do a little bit of disclaimer for this episode. I can't list everything. If I were to list everything that I know about this, your eyes would glaze over and I'm going to bore the living hell out of you. And the last thing I want to do is bore the living hell out of you on this episode. So I'm just trying to keep this as a nice little light review of why there is importance to training your upper body for strength, specifically for mountain biking. Okay. Uh, next we'll go into the biceps and triceps and <laughs> I know my clients and my friends, they joke with me often because I always have some sort of buys and tries programmed in for them, but I swear it's for more than just vanity. <laughs> I promise you, uh, because strong biceps and triceps actually do help to stabilize your shoulder because of the muscle attachment points around the shoulder for, for all of those muscles. So the biceps obviously have two heads, triceps have three, hence the names bi for two, triceps for three. The triceps do attach to your scapula, shoulder area, and also at the posterior elbow. I'm going through my memory. I probably should have written notes down for this. <laughs> uh, I will say the long head of the tricep is is somewhat responsible for stabilizing the shoulders. So that is incredibly important. So that's why the triceps are often very overlooked, you know, and a strong triceps muscle really, or muscles, I should say, since there's three, it can really help to reduce the risk of, of overcompensating from the other surrounding muscles in the shoulder, you know, especially rotator cuff, which is, you know, one of the reasons why you can obviously, you know, uh, injure your rotator cuff muscles. But triceps are really, really overlooked when it comes to the strength and stability of your shoulder muscle. And same thing with biceps. Biceps, they also attach to the shoulder, especially the long head. Again, it's the long head of both. So long head of triceps as well as the long head of the biceps. And that one's called the bi, hmm, biceps brachii, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that is, of course, the opposing muscle to the triceps, which is really nice. And that's why they're complementary. So usually I will do buys and tries, bro. Uh, I will include buys and tries in any type of program, especially with the Shred Strong program and things like that. And, you know, again, it's more than just for vanity, I promise. And I mean, there are certainly my fair share of clients that I have uh, and friends that I have that I work with that are like, you know, I just kind of want my arms to look nice. Like I want my arms to look like a workout. And I can completely respect that, completely understand that. And yeah, that's why, yeah, work your buys and tries at least a couple times a week. That would be fantastic. Now, along with your biceps and triceps are also your forearm muscles. And with that, I'm just going to ask you one question. Have you ever had um, what's called like arm pump after a long descent or maybe a long day of riding? Imagining yes is your answer for most people that I've ever talked with, as myself included. Sometimes I still get arm pop, especially if I am coaching a clinic at a downhill park and I'm doing a two-day clinic, usually by the second day because I'm breaking more than usual. Um, yeah, I am I am experiencing just a little bit of arm pump and it's always usually around the times that I'm not working grip. 
So the times that I'm usually getting lax on my grip strength because I am not following my own programming that I have in Tread Strong, then yeah, I'm I'm experiencing some sort of arm pump. And your hands, I want, I want you to think of this. Your hands are the main contact point on the bike to steer it, okay? Of course, your feet are as well and, and also your bum, but your hands, incredibly important. You're also using your hands to work your dropper post if you have one work your brakes, work your shifting. You're using your hands fairly dynamically while mountain biking. So hence the importance of grip strength for cyclists, whether you're a mountain biker, road biker, I don't care, but especially for mountain bikers who definitely have a tendency to descend down a mountain for a longer duration of time compared to, you know, road cycling and things like that. Now, if you want to ride longer, you usually need really good grip strength. I personally love programming heavier farmer's carries or, you know, suitcase carries, things like that. Those are really good grip variations. And they're also a really sneaky way to work the core as well, because you're trying to stabilize your core as you're walking steadily with, with some heavier weights in one or both of your hands. Now, also I wanted to bring up too, if you've, if you've ever experienced any type of tennis or golfer's elbow, you know, maybe it's called epicondylitis by your doctor or something like that, then chances are you might be experiencing a weaker forearm, you know, just generally speaking. And that can be partly to blame for that, you know, tennis or golfer's elbow, even if you don't play tennis or golf. So this is why some sort of like forearm curls and extensions are also incredibly important to include in your training, just because it really can help alleviate that tension in the elbow. All right, so next, uh, let's talk about chest and pecs. Your pecs or your breasticles, whatever you want to call them. I can't believe I just said that, but I'm going to keep it in there because this is just me talking. Um, You're welcome, people. You're welcome. (laughs) So, and just by the way, if you haven't ever noticed, I do not edit my my talk. Like I do not take out empty spaces in my communication. This is just my natural pace of talking (sighs) as I finally take a breath. Um... So yeah, I hope, I hope that comes across. <laughs> so you're going to, you're going to hear some genisms occasionally in these episodes, such as breasticles. Um, so let's talk about chest and pecs. I want you to think about the position that you're in when you ride your bike. Um, you're usually bent over the bike for a period of time, hinging at the hips. Hopefully you're constantly using your chest muscles or your, your pecs, I almost said breasticles, uh, you're constantly using your chest or pec muscles to hold yourself upright, especially if you have a weak core, which having a weak core is often indicated if you've ever experienced low back pain while you're riding, which of course is a whole other topic. And I'll, I'm going to be making that as a future ep- episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I won't talk about a weak core right now, but just keep in mind, if you have some low back pain, yeah, that could also indicate a low, like a reduced strength in your low back, but it can also indicate some weaker core muscles. Again, you're not broken. So let me actually rewind and say this. You are not broken. I don't care what the hell your PT tells you or what your doctor tells you. I'm going to, I, I know it, I'm not trying to get out of my scope of practice, but I want you to know Regardless of what you're diagnosed with or anything like that, you are not broken. Repeat after me. You are not broken. Or rather say, I am not broken. I am not broken, Jen. I am not broken. Say it one more time. I am not broken. 
embrace those words because I, all too often I hear people talk about how they have a bad knee. I have a bad back. I have a bad, you know, hamstring muscle from sprinting in high school. I have a bad fill in the blank. That mindset, please drop it if you can. Um, I don't even know why I just sang that, but I did. You're not broken. There might be something that you need to work on, but that does not mean that you are broken. There is nothing inherently wrong with you. So please stop saying that. That being said, you might have a weak core. You might have weak low back muscles or something like that. And that's okay. It just, honestly, that is just your body giving you feedback and saying, Hey, you wake up. We need to work on this a little bit more. Okay. Okay. So back to the chest and breasticles and pecs. Um, I really do like some sort of horizontal pressing movements. Those are very ideal for strengthening your chest muscles. So think about things like push-ups, floor presses, bench presses, bear crawls, just anything, any type of serratus precious presses too. Just, and I said serratus earlier, but that's because it's very important because sometimes we don't know how to activate that muscle to really help with pressing out away from us and stabilizing our shoulders. All right. I'm going to stop off, step off my soapbox now. And I'm going to go to the next one, which is in my notes here, upper and lower back muscles, as well as the erector muscles. Um, and these muscles, these muscles are going to be more active than, than you think when riding on trails, especially if you tend to ride more technical terrain. So think about it this way. You're constantly pushing and pulling your handlebars and bike away from you, as well as towards you as you ride and get over features. Even if you're a cross-country rider or, excuse me, a gravel rider and you're navigating those damn little ruts that make their way in, in gravel roads, it doesn't matter. You're, you're jockeying basically over this terrain. Now, oh, and speaking of jockeys, also I want to note, if you're a desk jockey for a living, meaning you, you, know, you work at a desk and you're sitting a lot during the day, then your chest muscles can be maybe stronger than your back muscles. This is just by the nature of the position that you're in most often, or if you drive a lot or you have a long commute or whatever. So that's why working your back muscles is incredibly important because that imbalance between your, your, your chest muscles and your back muscles can lead to a little bit of shoulder pain, possibly through just some minor imbalances. Again, you're not broken. I'm going to make that clear. You are not broken, but this is where you need to think about maybe some, just some inconsistencies and imbalances you might be experiencing and any types of aches or pains, that's your body trying to signify or, or signal to you rather that there's something a little bit off. Now to work your upper and lower back muscles, really think about things such as rows. Rows are my favorite thing to program because it really helps to offset the stronger chest, chest muscles, uh, especially if you are again, a desk jockey for a living. But love rows, face pulls, pull aparts. Again, these are a lot of the same type of movements that can work that shoulder shoulder muscle. So hey, two for one. Um, pull ups, one of my other favorites. And if you cannot do a pull up yet, emphasis on the word yet. Think about you know there's varieties of pull up uh, variations that you can do. That's kind of redundant, but you get what I'm saying. You can do. Um, uh, what are they called? Moto pulls, I think, where you're kind of on all fours and you have a band 
that's above you as you're like, you know, on all fours on the ground and you have one hand holding the band and you're bringing it down, driving your elbow down by your side. You're bringing that band down to your side. So you're almost doing like a, a one arm pull up, but in a plane that is very safe for you. Okay. So I love those types of, those types of rows. Um, as a substitute for pulling up or doing pull-ups. And it's a nice variety to get you into doing pull-ups eventually. Um, but don't be scared to do partner pull-ups where someone's holding your feet behind you and really guiding you up and helping you up, uh, as well as bandit pull-ups, you know, jumping pull-ups. I would do with lower volume though, because you can give yourself, you know, some good old rhabdo. And let's not do that because I don't want you to have rhabdo. Um, I don't want you to be peeing Coca-Cola and have your kidneys, you know, malfunction, but there are, you know, other varieties of pull-ups that you can do, even just kind of dragging yourself along a hardwood floor on a towel as you pull yourself, you know, maybe holding onto a table leg or something. Uh, there's so many ways you can do this. There really are. There are dozens of ways you can do pull-ups or that type of pulling. Um, there's also upright rows, which I know they get like a bad rap because everyone's like, Oh, it's going to pinch your shoulder. Well, yeah, it's going to pinch your sholdier if you're, you know, maybe doing them wrong, but if you're really being, or if you're doing them for time, Oh, that's the other thing. Like, and I'm a CrossFit coach part-time. I love CrossFit, but if you're always and only doing things for time and not for quality, you're missing things, you're missing strength, you're missing a lot of potential, unfortunately. So upright rows when done effectively and properly, they're fine. Uh, supermans, or I like to call them superwomens, um, you know, those help work with the back muscles, lower back muscles, as well as back extensions, another favorite of mine. And there's other similar movements to help strengthen the back muscles overall. So all in all, you can see how important training your upper body is to performing well in mountain biking. And this is whether you race or you just enjoy some awesome rides with friends or both. I mean, it doesn't matter. So think about, you know, these things that I've outlined and just really try to recognize how important upper body strength is for mountain biking. Now, keep in mind, I know the upper body technically includes your core, but the core is so important. I'm going to do another episode, a whole episode on the core. And honestly, like I could probably do four episodes on the core, but I'll do a simplification of the core just as a general review. And, you know, it'll give you an opportunity to just kind of see how important the core is. Now, other episodes that might pique your interest that complement this episode that you just listened to are episode 29, which is four ways to optimize your indoor bike rides. Because in that episode, I do talk about the importance of your lat muscles, your back muscles, which are the muscles that you're using during pull-ups and things like that. And that's really important for getting your posterior chain, your glutes, hamstrings, all of that stuff, really nicely activate it while you're riding indoors. Because sometimes, let's be honest, we can get really lazy and sloppy on our indoor bike rides. And with winter coming here, soon, uh, winter is coming. You know, it's one of those situations that don't neglect and don't make your indoor bike rides just crappy, right? Don't just do them just to do them. Cause you're like, Oh, I've got to put it in the miles. The, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Okay. If your indoor bike rides are just kind of sloppy and you're not really being like at one or being aware of your form and your posture and just your technique and your pedal stroke on the bike ride, then yeah, that's going to be problematic. And that's not to say that every single indoor bike ride has to be perfect. 
that's not it. But I want you to spend a little bit of time, a little bit of time like honing in your technique and your skills in your indoor bike rides. Anyways, that was like a two minute tangent, but check out episode 29 for four ways to optimize your indoor bike rides. Um, I'm also going to include in the show notes episodes 20 and seven, which one of them does talk about how to manage your training overall as a mountain biker. And then episode seven is, is, uh, is strength training important for cyclists and hell yeah, it is. Of course it is. Um, okay. Thanks for listening to this. I really appreciate you, but I will say I have to plug my shred strong program because if you're ready to get your upper body and the rest of your body strong as fur for mountain biking, then join me in the upcoming launch of the Shred Strong program. It's my signature strength and conditioning program, and I made it specifically for mountain bikers to get strong on and off the bike year-round. I'm launching this year-long periodized progressive strength and conditioning program for you on Monday, October 11th. This is the same program that I do as well because, you know, it works. And I believe in it, which is why I deliver it to all of my friends and all of my my lovely fellow mountain bikers. You will feel strong and powerful on the bike through this program, and you're going to feel hell of a lot more resilient and injury-free overall. So let's get you strong this season, and you can join Tread Strong today using the links in the show notes. I do have payment links directly. It's $49 a month. It does include me checking out your video of, of a movement every week. If you're, if you feel, you know, confident, great. Don't, don't share a video of me, of you rather to me, but you don't get this type of oversight for this cost. So it's a really good value. Um, I can also help you if you ever need any substitutions or anything like that, but it does include two mandatory strength training sessions per week, which are about 30 to 60 minutes, depending on if you're using a, you're using a barbell or not. And then, uh, and then there's a third optional program or a third optional strength session in the program, as well as an interval session, at least one interval session, one interval session per week included during the winter months. I'm probably going to bump that up to two interval sessions, at least with the current program programming that I'm building out. But again, one of those is optional. So it's a really good deal. And it's something that you can easily do, whether you also do snow sports, like snowboarding, skiing, and all of this stuff. It really complements that. And it really complements running as well, as well as climbing, because I do have athletes that do mountain biking as well as climbing and running and all of this other stuff. And, uh, and they talk about how, I don't know, they just talk about how much stronger they feel on the wall or on the climbing wall, as well as on the runs, their PRing stuff. And I'm just so stoked for them. And I would love to be stoked for you. So check out the links in the show notes. And I appreciate you listening to this episode, friends, and letting me go on my tangents because I just love talking about this stuff so much. Anyways, I will see you next week. Thanks.